We read God's word together this afternoon in Proverbs chapter 5. The basis for the sermon will focus on verses 3 through 14. So pay special attention to those verses 3 through 14. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lust thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger, and thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden, with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly shall he go astray. We read that far. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, According to chapter 2 of Proverbs, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, it will keep thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. Because of that, 
the godly father urges his son. For example, in chapter 7, verse 1, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. In this section of the book of Proverbs, beginning in chapter 2 and continuing to the end of chapter 9, we find many words about the strange woman. In these chapters of the Word of God, God is teaching us the way of wisdom in regard to the keeping of the seventh commandment. We hear the seventh commandment every Sunday. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But here, in this section of Proverbs, God gives us the way of wisdom in regard to the keeping of that commandment of his law. When we look at these chapters, we find repeatedly that Solomon addresses his son, and in the plural, his sons. Even when in our text it says, my children, the original Hebrew says, my sons. And so it's clear that this word of God is directed primarily to the boys of the church, the teenaged boys of the church, the young men of the church, and us adult men as well. This is a word of God primarily for us today, brothers, and our sisters, our wives, our mothers, they're going to listen as well, and they're going to hear things that are applicable to them as well, but the word is first of all for us. The warnings of these texts are timely and relevant. Timely and relevant in all ages. Sometimes we think there's something special about our age. But we find these warnings here in Proverbs written thousands of years ago because they are relevant in all ages. But if these warnings are timely in all ages, the relevance only increases as we move closer and closer to the end of time. We can all recognize that sexual temptations are extremely great in our world today. So I call your attention to the warning of God's word regarding the lips of a strange woman. Notice, first of all, the bitter truth about her. Notice, secondly, the disastrous consequences of sinning with her. And finally, the urgent call to flee from her. We read in our text, The lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Who is this strange woman in the text? We hear about her in several places in these chapters. Repeatedly, we are hearing about this strange woman. We also read about another woman in the book of Proverbs. We considered her last Sunday, the virtuous woman. She also appears in the book of Proverbs. And so we cannot help but notice a contrast between the strange woman on the one hand and the virtuous woman on the other the virtuous woman, 
as we saw last time, is the God-fearing woman who strives to live a godly, pure, chaste life in her family and in her home. The virtuous, God-fearing woman must take care. She must be careful that she not fall into the behaviors of the strange woman because she is still a sinner, still has an old man of sin within her, and therefore must guard against the danger of behaving like the strange woman described here in our text. And if ever the God-fearing woman does behave that way, then she must repent of that and resolve in her heart to live modestly and chastely. Because the strange woman is quite simply the licentious and lascivious woman of the world. Whether she is a harlot or an ordinary woman, this is a woman of the world, this is a woman of the devil, this is a woman who uses her beauty and her charm to seduce men into her bed for whatever reason, for whatever purpose. That's the strange woman. She's called a strange woman probably because in most cases this is a woman of the world. This is a woman outside of the community of God's people. This is a Moabitess. This is an Egyptian. This is a heathen woman. But we ought not to think that such a woman could never appear within the church as well. She can. But she's called a strange woman because generally she is outside of the experience of the children of God when they are living within the community of the faithful. In other words, she's not a Christian woman. The text speaks of the lips of a strange woman and the mouth. The lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. The focus here is not so much on the beauty and the softness of her lips, which may be there as well in the text, that she may try to seduce also by the the beauty, the external appearance of her lips, But the focus here is certainly not on that, but on the words that she speaks with her lips. We could translate the text this way, her lips drip honey. Her lips are like a honeycomb, and from her lips, honey is dripping. That honey that is dripping from her lips refers to the seductive words, the flattering words that she is speaking in order to entice a man. It says that her mouth is smoother than oil. That is, the words that come out of her mouth flow so smoothly that you might say they flow smoother than oil pours out of a bottle. She speaks softly and enticingly. She not only uses the look of her eyes and the clothing that flaunts her best body parts, but especially she flatters with words that drip like honey. That's the constant theme we find throughout this passage of Proverbs. In chapter 2, verse 16, the strange woman which flattereth with her words. 
chapter 6, verse 24, the evil woman and the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Chapter 7, verse 21, speaks of her much fair speech by which she caused a young man to yield with the flattering of her lips. She forced him. Her lips drip honey. She tries to flatter a young man of her choosing to commit sexual sin with her. God even inspired Solomon to write down an example of the kind of flattery that the strange woman uses in chapter 7. You can read that later on. But it amounts to this. She says to the young man or to the adult man as she meets him, I came to meet you. I was looking for you, and I have found you. I was looking for a man just like you, and I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He is gone on a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her much fair speech, with her honeyed words, Solomon says she forced him and she enticed him to sin. These words of the strange woman are described as dripping honey to point out that they seem to be sweet at first glance, at first hearing of them. They're sweet to the ears of the sinful man because the sinful man not only longs for the love and affection of a woman, as most men do desire, but a sinful man also has an old man of sin. And according to that sinful flesh, he also covets what God forbids. He covets his neighbor's wife. He lusts after the thrills that God forbids, including the thrill of adultery. God tells us in the text the bitter truth about this strange woman, and we need to know it. It's the bitter truth about her and the one whom she successfully seduces. Her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. The words of the strange woman sound so sweet when you first hear them. She loves me. She wants me. She's been waiting for me. She's prepared for me. But in the end, they're bitter as wormwood. The words of the strange woman lead to the gross sin of adultery that ends in bitter shame. Shame that is as bitter as wormwood. Now, wormwood is a plant that you can still find growing today. It's a plant that can be prepared and used as an ingredient in drinks and other preparations to give a meal or a drink a bitter flavor. This plant was already found in Israel in the days of Solomon, and everybody knew that wormwood was bitter, very 
bitter to the taste. So Solomon is saying, her words sound sweet, but she is going to lead you to commit a sin that will result in a feeling, a taste, an experience that is so bitter. It's the bitter taste of shame. That plant, wormwood, became synonymous in Bible times with bitter experiences like shame and sorrow. God wants us to know, boys, men, he wants us to know that giving in to the seduction of a strange woman will end in bitter shame and sorrow. Secondly, the end of the strange woman is sharp as a two-edged sword. Her words flow smoothly like oil out of her mouth, and there doesn't seem to be any danger at first. But she's going to lead you to commit a gross sin, the end of which will involve a pain that is so piercing and sharp that it will feel like you were stabbed with a two-edged sword. A two-edged sword is a sword that's sharp on both edges. And therefore, it is very sharp, particularly to pierce through something. With that two-edged sword, you can easily and quickly pierce right through someone's body. God would have us to know that those who give in to the seduction and temptation of this woman will experience a pain afterwards so sharp, so terrible, that you will wish that you were pierced with a physical sword. Thirdly, the feet of the strange woman go down unto death, and her steps take hold on hell. The strange woman herself is walking on a path that leads down to death. She's walking on a path in which each step that she takes, she herself grasps hold of hell itself by the sinful decisions that she makes. And God would have us to know that if we give in to her, and if we join her, and if we follow her on that path, she will take us along for the ride that ends in death. Death is the wages of all sin. Death that leads to the grave, and the grave that leads to hell, everlasting damnation. The strange woman is walking on that path that leads to eternal destruction. And those who follow her, those who join her, will go there with her. In the fourth place, the text says that she does not ponder the path of life. That is one possible translation of the text. She herself does not ponder the path of life. This woman is not pondering in her mind and in her heart the path that leads to God. She doesn't think about God. She doesn't think about heaven. She doesn't think about life, life with God, life with God's people, life for all eternity through Jesus. She only thinks about herself, her own pleasure, her own wealth, her own name. And this woman, by her seduction, tries to distract you from pondering the path of life as well. Because if you listen to her lips and her voice, 
and you follow her and you go into her, then you will no longer be pondering the path that leads to God. You will no longer be thinking about God or his kingdom or life with him through Christ. Furthermore, the text says that her ways are movable or unstable. This is a woman who is staggering about through life. She is stumbling here and stumbling there over one lover after another lover. She's never finding true peace and joy in life. She's unstable. She's movable. And she doesn't know and she doesn't care. And she doesn't want you to know that or care about that either. She wants you to think that she is someone sweet, someone special, someone who's going to treat you well. But it's all a lie. That's the bitter truth about the strange woman. And God would have us to know it. And therefore, the wise father exhorts his sons in the text, Hear me now, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. The words of the strange woman might drip from her lips like honey, but do not come near her house. Rather, draw near to the Lord. Because we also read about the Lord in Psalm 19, verse 10, that his words are sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. When the strange woman tries to seduce you with her honeyed speech, you must remember she does not love you. She does not love you. It's all a lie. But God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting love. God loves you more than any human being could possibly love you with an eternal love. And you don't deserve it, and I don't deserve it. Even when we sin, and when we experience the shame and the bitterness of sin, like wormwood, and we lament over our sin, as we read in Lamentations 3, verse 15, He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. Even then, brothers, we can remember what he goes on to say. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. The Lord loves us, even when we sin against him. We must remember that we were that strange woman by nature. The Bible describes us as a spiritual harlot by nature. A spiritual strange woman who sought after other gods, idols, other lovers, instead of Jehovah, the one true God, who threw ourselves into the arms of these idols in our sin, But the Bible comes and says to us, 
While we were yet sinners, God showed his love toward us in that he gave his own son to give his own life on the cross to redeem us from our sins. His love is so great that even when we were wallowing in our sins and wickedness, he gave his son to die for us on the cross that we might be saved. With the lips of a strange woman drip with honey, that's all a lie. Listen to the words of God that drip like honey, that is a true, pure, alloy, unalloyed honey. The words of the gospel, in which God says, I looked for you, I came for you, I sent my son in the world to find you, you who were lost wallowing in the mire and muck of your sin. You who wanted nothing to do with me, you who served other gods and other lovers, I came for you. I searched for you. I found you. I drew you to myself. And I have prepared delightful things for you in heaven. Not a one-night stand, but an eternity of delightful blessings dwelling with me in a relationship of love and fellowship, world without end. That's what I have prepared for you, God says. Now remove your way far from that strange woman. The wisdom of God to us is that there are disastrous consequences too when we sin with the strange woman. Notice the following from the text. First of all, if you give in to the seduction of the strange woman, you will give your honor unto others and your years unto the cruel. God warns us in the text that if we listen to the siren song of the evil woman, who flatters with her tongue, and if we go in unto her, we will be giving our honor to someone else so that we will not have it anymore. We will be giving our honor to that woman and to others, and we will lose that honor. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Oh, to have a good name, to have a good reputation to be held in respect in the congregation. But if we go in unto the strange woman, we give our honor away as something that has no value to us. And in replacement for our honor, we get shame and disgrace and dishonor. We gain for ourselves the reputation of being an adulterer, a whoremonger, a sinner. Proverbs 6, 32 and 33. Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. But we could also translate that word honor in the text, vigor. If you go in unto the strange woman, you give your vigor to others. 
That is, you give your life, your vitality, your health, your strength, you give it away as something that has no value to you. And that is further explained when he says, you give your years to the cruel. The strange woman is cruel. And if she is a harlot, then she works for cruel men. And you give your vigor to the cruel woman and the cruel men that she works for when you go in to the strange woman. You give your vigor to her. She gives her diseases to you. You give your strength to her. She gives her weakness to you. You give your years to her. If you go in onto a strange woman and you live a life of sexual debauchery, your years will be diminished. You will die an untimely death. You will die as a young man. That first of all. In the second place, the text warns us by pointing out that those who go into the strange woman will cause others to be filled with their wealth and their labors will be in the house of a stranger. God warns us that if we give in to the siren song of the flattering woman and go in unto her, it will not end with a one-night stand. It will not just be one incident, but you will go back to her again and again and again, or you will go to another strange woman and then to another and to another, so that over the days and years of your life, you will find that the wealth you once possessed moves out of your possession and into the possession of others. It moves out of your pockets and into the hands of strangers. Your money, one way or another, will move into the hands of that woman. It will move into the hands of those she works for. It will move into the hands of her friends. It will go into the hands of her relatives. And it will go out of your hands. You will find that the fruit of your labors will go into the hands of a stranger. The word labors in the text means toils. It refers to your hard work, brothers. The hard work you put in all day, your blood, your sweat, and your tears at your job to earn that income, that God-given income, that hard-earned income, you will find that it goes into the hands of strangers if you develop this way of life. Proverbs 6, verse 26 says, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. A piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. You see, it will become a voracious appetite that you can never satisfy until your last penny is spent. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? the unruly and rebellious young man who said, Father, I want my inheritance. Give me my portion of the money. And he received it. And he left his father's house. He went astray. And what did he do with the money? He spent it all on riotous living. 
And later when he came back, the older brother, who was not happy at all, complained to his father, My brother spent all of his inheritance on harlots, and you will receive him back? Harlots. A man will be brought down to slop around with the pigs in the pigsty. That's where it ends. It's a voracious appetite that cannot be satisfied. In the third place, the text warns us that we will mourn at the last when your flesh and body are consumed. And you will say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. Brothers, be warned. If you give heed to the honeyed speech of the strange woman, if you live that life, you'll come to the end of your days and you'll mourn and groan miserably with deep regret. You will waste away, it says. Your flesh and your body will be consumed. That is, waste away. You will waste away with disease because you will become reckless in your sexual misbehavior. You will waste away with emotional and psychological wreckage which always come with that way of life. You will waste away with injuries that might be inflicted by jealous husbands when you commit adultery with their wives. Proverbs 6, 34 and 35. Jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though you give him many gifts. And you will come to the end of your days with deep regret. How have I hated instruction? How foolish was I? I didn't listen to my father. I didn't listen to my mother. I didn't listen to the pastor when he preached that sermon. I didn't listen to my elders. You don't want to end your life in regret. Listen to your teachers. One of your teachers is your mother. The virtuous women that God has given to us that we heard about last Sunday. These beautiful, lovely, godly women. They're our teachers too. And they also speak to us in the text and say, brothers, don't do it. Don't do it. Finally, the text mentions that we will come to the very brink of utter ruin I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. That means I was only a little bit away from utter ruin. That's where this sin led me. I was brought to the very brink of destruction. I was brought to the very edge of the cliff in the midst of the congregation. You know that in the Old Testament, those who were caught committing adultery were stoned to death. That's where it ended, with a pile of stones cast upon them. In the New Testament, those who commit adultery, those who go to the harlot, those who walk in sexual sins, who are discovered, who are rebuked, 
who are reported to the church at last, who are admonished again and again and again by the elders, and who refuse to repent and turn from their sinful way, who refuse to seek help to break free from the chains of this sin, are excommunicated from the church. That's where it ends, brothers. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5. There was a man in the church at Corinth who was committing a fornication that was not even so much as named among the Gentiles that a man should have his father's wife. And Paul said, you're boasting about it. But this is what you must do. You must deliver such a man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation. Therefore, in light of all of that, the urgent call comes to us. Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. It is an urgent call to flee from the strange woman. We all know the law of God. The law says thou shalt not commit adultery. Very clear. But how do we avoid committing adultery? The Proverbs show us how. The Proverbs are the revelation of the practical wisdom that we need for life. God shows us in the Proverbs how to avoid this sin. He shows us all of these consequences which lead to all this shame and bitterness and ruin to warn us. And he exhorts us with urgency, remove thy way far from her. Negatively, the calling is just that. Remove far away from this woman. Do not come close to the doors of her house. Notice that he says to stay far away. Stay away from her. It's the prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. It's the same idea here. Don't lead yourself into temptation. Don't go into places where you know the strange woman will be. Don't go into places where you know the seductive, honeyed-speeched woman will be. Stay away from her. Stay far away from her. Don't even come near to the doors of her house. That's the wisdom of God. Don't even come into the vicinity of her house. If you know of a strange woman, and you know of strange women, and you know where they are, don't go there. Avoid that place as much as you can. That's the wisdom of God. That's the way God shows us to keep this commandment and to obey. Now, today we have to apply that to the Internet and to all forms of technology. The application is stay far away from the strange woman as she appears on the screen. The television screen, the computer screen, 
the screen of your phone. How? By refusing to watch anything that portrays her in her seductive behavior. Any show, any movie, anything on that screen that portrays this licentious, lawless, lascivious, seductive woman, don't watch. And when she flashes on the screen, change the channel or turn the TV off. That's what it means. It means that we keep filters on our devices and on our computers. We put locks. We have accountability because we don't even want her to enter into our eyesight. We don't want her with her dripping honey lips to speak to us. But once you enter into the domain of the internet, you're in her domain. She's there. She's everywhere on the internet. If you're going to go into that web, then you need to go in protected and prepared. You need to go in there with your children, guarded to the best of your ability so that she doesn't appear on the screen. The point of the text is to keep a safe distance between yourself and the strange woman. Brothers, will you receive that wisdom of God? Or will you despise it? Will you listen to it or disregard it? If you disregard it, you cannot say you were not warned when you have regret in the end. There's a positive, which is not part of the words of our text, but it's in the context. The positive, brothers, is this. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. I read somewhere this past week that in Israelite society, most homes had one single cistern outside of the house where they kept the water for drinking. Just one. One cistern. That's your wife. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. If you're still a single man, the calling is to preserve your body pure for your future wife, if God is pleased to give you one. Think of her. Don't sin against her. But preserve yourself for her. And if we are married men, Solomon tells us very beautifully, Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Love your wife. Cherish her. Remember that she's a special gift from God. Proverbs 18, verse 22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing 
and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Brothers, let us never forget how precious is the gift of our wife. Let us cherish and nourish her, be faithful to her, rejoice with her, be ravished with her. That is, not with anyone else, but have eyes only for her and her beauty. Why? Why should we? Just to avoid these consequences? Why should we? Just so that we don't have regrets? Just so that we don't go broke? Just so that we don't get a disease? No. All those consequences are there as deterrents to help us, to prevent us, but that's not the ultimate reason. It's because God loves us, and he has shown his love to us in Christ, an everlasting, unchangeable, pure, perfect love, to give his own son to the death of the cross for us unfaithful sinners. He's done that for us. The motivation is gratitude for the redeeming love of Christ. That's why. That's why you love your wife. That's why you avoid these sins. That's why we flee from the strange woman. That's why we put filters on our internet and have accountability and turn off the TV when there's wickedness on the screen. Because we love God who first loved us. Because when we come to his house on the Lord's Day, we hear, hopefully, from the pulpit words that drip like a honey we've never tasted before with a sweetness that far surpasses anything in this world when we hear about that redeeming love of Christ. May this wisdom of God strengthen us to avoid this sin and to walk in tender love with our wives. Amen. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the practical wisdom of the Proverbs. We pray that Thou would apply this word to our hearts as men, as young men, that we might take it to heart. And we pray that thou would give unto us the joy of walking in purity in a world that mocks us for it, in a world that delights in sin. Help us to live godly lives, to walk in love with our wives, to cherish them because of thy great love for us. Go with us now as we go home, and may this word go with us. In Jesus' name, amen.